Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, this is Carly. Just a quick reminder that we are on a break week, but we are releasing an episode from our Patreon archives. This is a previously recorded Let's Talk About It episode covering the curious case of Natalia Grace. There's a new special, kind of a part two to this, if you will, called The Curious Case of Natalia Grace, Natalia Speaks, that is airing this week, January 1st through the 3rd on the ID channel. So if you want to get caught up before you delve into that, this is the episode for you. We'll be back next week covering part one of Christine and David's wedding. And as always, you can check out all of our recaps of the past seasons of Sister Wives, as well as our Let's Talk About episodes on patreon.com slash surviving pod. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And today we are talking about the curious case of Natalia Grace. Yeah, what is eating Natalia Grace? <laughs> We're just going to take movie titles and throw Natalia Grace's name into the crudely, abruptly. It's a solid name. Fits with a lot of things. Well, it's not that she's aging backwards necessarily, like in the curious case of Benjamin Button. But there are a few times where she jumps back and forth for a minute there. Uh, that was the majority of the documentary. It's the whole basis of it. She's old, she's young. She's old, she's young. <laughs> so this is a six-part docu-series that originally aired on the ID Network. Investigate. Shall I read the description? This is not going to be for each part. This is the overall description of the docu-series. The story of Natalia Grace assumed to be a six-year-old Ukrainian orphan with spondylophysial dysplasia congenital. Okay. <laughs> a rare bone disorder. Her adoptive parents alleged Natalia was an adult who was masquerading as a child with intent to harm the family. The family. She's a con artist, clearly with intentions to cause harm. This took me on a wild ride. What about you, Corey? Yeah, this was all over the place. I think as a documentary series, it did a good job making itself compelling 
by excluding so much information. (laughs) (laughs) At the appropriate times. At the appropriate times. Because I think we got, that was kind of the general outline for this, was you would be informed of a certain time period that took place. And then you go back and you just get more and more information layered on top of that that just confuses the hell out of you. Well, and at first, in episode one, I felt like I came away with a very solid opinion of what was going on here. And then by the end of episode two, I started to question myself. Well, and I think it was set up to be in a way where most viewers at the end of the first episode would be like, whoa, this is scary because this is a little person conning a family and you're you know, sleeping with the enemy basically, is what's happening here. You have a threat in your house. So that's actually the opposite opinion that I had. Correct. Yes. We (laughs) both got a very quick read on Michael, the psychotic father in this series. The star of the documentary. If you want to call it that. like More like a high school Oscar drama level. Well, so this should have just been called Michael's side of the story because we get no information from anyone else aside from like neighbors, like little people who really. Well, not little, <laughs> not little people. Well, some that, little people. <laughs> that was an unintended fun. <laughs> but other people who really aren't that close to the situation. The person who's in the know, who was there for everything, who's giving us his side of the, the story is Michael and also a little bit of Jake. But I think Jake has been told what to say to a certain extent. Oh, Jake has been coached extensively because he even seeks out his father's advice on what he should or should not mention as part of his interview and then slips up on some very important information as well. Loops. All right, let's get into it. Hot mics, baby. (laughs) The Barnett family is living the perfect life in suburbia, we are told, according to Michael. He has an expensive, two expensive cars, right? It wasn't just one. Multiple nice cars, a big house, they are living the high life. They're basically rich. They're like middle class America rich. And then, yeah, just blowing that money on useless shit like cars that make Michael feel like he has a big penis. <laughs> so this is life pre-Natalia Grace. It's amazing. They have three sons. So the parents here are Michael and then his horrible ex-wife, we eventually find out, but at this time they're married, Christine. Which that tracks with the sister wife storyline as well. <laughs> that would be Cody's assessment too, was that there's this freaky batch, Christine, who's just the worst. Never try to be part of this family. Don't trust her. They have three sons, Jake, Ethan, and Wesley. Jake is autistic and he is a math prodigy, if you will. So that's what they are sucking fumes off of in the beginning of the documentary here. They have a very intelligent son, but... It's 2010. It's a recession. They're a little bored. They're probably bank accounts are down a little bit. So they decide that they want to adopt a child. So most people who would probably go through this process would start with a reputable adoption agency. I think that's where most people would start. The red flags for me are when Michael and Christine begin to kind of shop for a kid which was a little strange to me. Well, and they're going to adoption agencies that apparently they have not looked into very much. It's just a building in the middle of a parking lot that at first they don't even understand is an adoption agency. 
it's not really the most legit place. It looks like a place where you'd go get an ultrasound, but maybe not adopt a child legally. Well, there's a reason for that. The first thing I thought in this documentary is these are horribly abusive people who are looking to adopt a child to abuse. Because unfortunately, that is a tale as old as time that happens a lot in this country. Well, especially with these cuckoo banana birds, because I knew immediately, don't trust Michael. Do not trust this dude. We don't even see Christine. We don't hear her side of the story. I mean, we see photos of her. We see a little too many photos of her later on in the series, <laughs> if we're being completely honest. Uh, but we don't see her or hear from her directly because, again, this is mostly from Michael's point of view. We don't see or hear from Natalia that much, a little bit, but not too much. This is mostly Michael's side of the story. Now, there's a reason why they've chosen a sketchy place to adopt a kid, we end up finding out. It's because Christine and Michael have domestic violence allegations against them. Well, it's a, yeah, there's a history of abuse in the family. So strikes two and three right there on this process. So they go to this agency. We're going to put that in quotes. And there they are matched with Natalia, a six-year-old orphan from Ukraine who has a severe form of dwarfism. Perfect. Exactly what we were looking for. A small child with a disability that we can abuse. Who won't fight back. Just an opinion. Well, it just, it seems to fit that kind of mold here. Also, we're going to get lots of attention from people for having such big hearts that we adopted a child who has a disability. So this is just adding up to be the perfect situation for them. So things start off, it's okay. Actually, it's great because everything in their life is great at this point. So now they're just bringing Natalia in to experience the wonderfulness of being in their family and they get to tout it to everybody else about this amazing deed that they did, this selfless act that they went out of their way to take care of this little orphan child. Flying high on that white savior syndrome. Oh, they are sky high on it here. But it doesn't take long. We start to have some issues. Apparently, Natalia starts to become very difficult for Christine. She won't listen to her. She's defiant. She's doing things like peeing and pooping in places where you don't go to the bathroom, like the car, and then throwing what she's defecated at the other Barnett kids. So there's some behavioral issues that are arising, that are popping up, that are becoming noticeable. To which I say, you have adopted a child from a difficult situation. Unfortunately, part of that sometimes is behavioral issues. So if they're complaining about that right here, these are clearly people who were not prepared in any way for this becoming a possibility. If it is even true. If it's true, they're not handling it well. No, like one of the solutions is that Christine forces Jake to pee in Natalia's bed in retaliation for the things that she has been doing to him. Which that would be forced abuse. That you're you're abusing your other child now into abusing your adoptive child. So this just seems like a terrible situation. And this is stuff that Jake is openly speaking about at this point. Talking about how much guilt he has the regret. for having done that. Well, yeah, because he's been abused because he was forced to abuse his adoptive sister. So that's abuse just in and of itself. I am so convinced that these people previously abused their three sons 
and then decided that they needed to adopt a child who was much younger, who was smaller, who they could then abuse as a family. I've said it once and I'll, I'll say it again. Common goals don't keep families together. Common enemies keep families together. So if they adopted in an enemy of the family, because then things start escalating. So it's not just an inconvenience. It's not just these behavioral issues. Now we're starting to progress into some violent behaviors where there's alleged poisonings that are being attempted with was it Windex in a drink or something like that? It was Chlor- yeah, Clorox bleach, some, something. Some cleaning solution cleaning put into Christine's mug. Into drinks. And then also threats with knives. And Natalia is sneaking out of her bed in the middle of the night. and Stashing knives in her bedroom. Standing over people's beds while they're sleeping. As soon as they made that allegation, when Michael was talking about finding knives in Natalia's room, that was the alarm bell for me where I thought, is she stashing knives to protect herself? Because we're only getting one side of the story. And the way that Michael's talking about this, it seems odd because they wanted to kind of build out this narrative that she's masterminding this. She has a plot. She's planning something. And it's like, maybe it was just a reaction thing where she felt unsafe and she was trying to protect herself. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. These people wouldn't have to do anything to me at all, and I would feel unsafe sleeping down the hallway from this man. Yeah, I wouldn't feel safe in that house. He has unsafe energy about him. (laughs) Everything about him. So it's not looking good. They're starting to tell people that these things are happening. Well, people are hearing Natalia crying outside on the back porch all night. They are locking her out of the house for extended periods of time. At one point, Michael defends the fact that they put a lock on the outside of Natalia's bedroom door because they need to keep her in her room because she's coming out of her room at night and they don't know what she might do to people. I was like, that's not why you put a lock on her bedroom door. Let's be real. Another, it's another sign, a red flag that there is abuse going on in this house. Everything is screaming abuse at this point. So that was what, maybe like 30 minutes into the episode, the first episode where I was like, I don't trust this dude and I don't like what this family's got going on. It's not good. But now this is the part where things start to turn because they take Natalia to meet another child who has a similar form of dwarfism and they are looking at the two of them and comparing their size. They're around the same age. They have the same 
disability. Why is this child so much smaller than Natalia? Well, comparison is a thief of joy. I might (laughs) remind you. (laughs) Maybe, just maybe, they start to think, the adoption agency lied about what age Natalia actually is. Is this a six-year-old? Or are we dealing with something different? Because the behaviors that we've seen make us think that this is not a child. Something a little bit more sinister going on. Now, an important thing to mention is that the movie Orphan came out shortly before this. And this story is starting to sound a lot like that, is it not? I think that Christine and Michael were able to immediately explain the situation and get people on their side by having a blockbuster horror film to kind of tell that story for them and then just say, it's like that, you know? (laughs) It's not even an original story that they've come up with here. No, yeah. Who is in our house? We are not sure. We go to bed every night in fear because we don't know who this child is. Also, what are the other red flags? Maybe that she's got a bunch of pubic hair and she started her period. That might be other telltale signs that maybe she's older than she's claiming to be or that the adoption agency has claimed to be. This is again where I was like, hmm, hold up here. Because all of the information that we get mentioned to us again is coming through Michael. Who was the witness for this? Christine. Christine. Not even him. This was not a firsthand account. So Christine had been giving... Natalia her baths at night and she claims that she saw that Natalia had full pubic hair and was alarmed that was the first thing that scared her the second thing is she claims that Natalia has been getting her period and that she's been throwing her underwear away or hiding it from them which I would love to hear Natalia's side of that just to find out if that was actually true if those were things that were happening is there hormonal situations with her medical condition. Okay, that's where I want to go with this. Because first reaction to this, you have a child who has a form of dwarfism, which is something that you do not personally experience yourself. And you start to see things that aren't quote unquote normal for her age. Would your first reaction be this is an adult who is masquerading as a child? Or would it be we should go to a doctor and make sure that her hormones are okay? Because perhaps that is also affected. No? Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Christine. Seems like (laughs) a rational train of thought. Now, instead of going to the appropriate types of doctors. Specialists or people who might have experienced knowledge with these very rare particular cases. No, we're going to go to just our family doctor. General practitioner. Which who knows? In the Brown family, that could be a chiropractor. So (laughs) we don't know. Who is this family doctor? Doctor takes one look at her. I'm pretty sure this is an adult. We have not run blood tests. We have not gone to an endocrinologist. We have not gone to someone who specializes in her form of dwarfism. X-rays for bone density. Nothing. (laughs) No. This is an adult, though. So... They're in fear for their lives because now they think they've adopted a child who is actually an adult and she is threatening the lives of the people around her. So what else are they going to do? They commit her to a mental institution. Where then we get even more ridiculous claims, wild claims, accusations, again, mostly told by Michael, retold by Michael, that were perpetuated by Christine. Because allegedly, there were multiple staff members, employees at 
the mental institution where Natalia was staying, that Natalia had solicited sexual acts with them. In exchange for money. In exchange for money or better treatment or whatever while she's in this facility. Is that something that happened? We did have a few workers who called. There were like voicemails from the workers. Okay, let's talk about that. Which seemed a little weird. First of all, I would assume that anyone who works in this hospital, if they still work there, and even if you don't, if you're still a healthcare provider, you, for according to HIPAA, cannot be talking about this stuff. Pretty sure that's a HIPAA violation. <laughs> so they are calling anonymously. They're not participating in this documentary, if you will. Their names are Schmishmeen <laughs> and Schmeichel. Exactly. <laughs> are these people that they have paid to make a phone call? Is this an AI generated voice? Who knows? But one thing I can tell you is I do not believe for a minute that these are people who genuinely worked in this institution in the time that Natalia was there. I don't trust it as eyewitness reports for what took place here at all. So I'm dismissing that evidence that is being brought to me. (laughs) Thank you. I just I feel so good about the fact that we looked at a piece of evidence and questioned its source and determined maybe something we can't trust. The validity is off. Now, she's only there for a couple of weeks, and what we are told is she is kicked out of the mental institution because of the fact that she has been soliciting the staff for sex. Kicked out. They say- I would love love to see the discharge papers that say we are forcibly removing this patient from our care because she is soliciting and abusing- our staff members. Also, she's yours now. She, We've determined that she is definitely a threat to society and your family as well. But you guys figure out what to do with her next. So I would, again, love to see the discharge papers and any sort of documentation that would go along with that to back up these claims. Because this is all probably Christine and Michael's perception of what was being done at that time. Did they maybe tell you that this person doesn't seem to be the age that they are? Why is she in an adult care psychiatric facility? Or why is she here? Because we don't believe she belongs here. We had her for a few weeks. She's good to go. We don't have any issues that should require her to be a patient here any longer. So luckily, a week, two weeks, that was all that Christine and Michael needed to go bribe a judge And get Natalia's age legally upped to 22. Mm -hmm, Because they were in such fear for their lives that they had to put her into an institution. While at the same time, they were going behind her back while she was not able to be interviewed by a judge to speak with any healthcare providers. Nothing. She was hidden away while they filed paperwork to have her age legally changed to that of an adult. Of which there was no professional opinion that was received for this or aided in the aging up process to help determine the accuracy and the validity of the number that they arrived on. They just magically landed at the age of 22, just so happens to be, when adoptive parents are no longer financially responsible for their adoptive children. Wow, that's a lucky guess, huh, that we ended up there. That's pretty crazy. Again, no doctor was consulted 
in determining the age of this person? Just a judge who figured, well, if she was around 14 at the time of this documentation, and it's been eight years since then, meh, I guess that sounds like 22. Done. We're done. Good. Perfect. 22 years old. Congratulations, Natalia, your first day out of the mental hospital. Um, You are now 22 years old, and you will be living in an apartment on your own. Here, sign this lease. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, now you're on your own. So they don't want her living in their house anymore for what they believe are obvious reasons to us. And instead, they have gone and signed a one-year lease and an apartment complex where Natalia will now live on her own. This is where we get more eyewitness testimony from people who aren't immediately in the family, who we can kind of take as reasonable concerns that they are experiencing. But most of what they're describing is just a kid between the ages of like 8 and 12. That's a weird age. That's a weird. Kids are weird. They're annoying at that age. Toddlers, primary school, babies. That's all manageable. That's easy stuff to deal with. Once you get into that. Well, I'm just saying it's different, but that's like you can once, deal with that. Okay. Once they start developing their own personality and they, they get to. a little weird, they're figuring out <laughs> and then they're trying to do adult things, interact in a real world, but they're still a child. So they don't understand boundaries. They don't understand all these different things. So they're weird little human beings. It's strange. That's what we're dealing with. Natalia is no different in that aspect because basically what we start finding out is that this is a little girl who lives in an apartment on her own who cannot bathe herself, cannot take care of herself. How is she going to wash her clothes if she can't reach into the washer and pull out her clothes and put them in the dryer? How can she take a shower if she can't get in and out of the shower? This is not a handicap accessible apartment. And there's no living aid and there's nobody coming by on a daily basis to help take care of her. Right. And regardless of whether or not you believe this is an adult versus a child, this is a person who has never lived on their own, who is also disabled. Even if she was, I'll chalk it up and say, sure, let's play the pretend game that she is 22. This is still somebody who cannot take care of themselves. So it doesn't matter how old she is in that circumstance. She does not have the acquired life skills to be living on her own to perform day-to-day tasks in this environment. Well, and right. She's been also left in an environment that has not been adapted for the way that she needs it to be able to live on her own. Correct. So she then begins to reach out to some of the people in this apartment complex because she's probably lonely, bored. She just sits around in her apartment all day watching TV. How long do you get to do that before you're going to lose your mind? She has no communication with anyone aside from the people that she is coming across outside of her apartment. Because there's also footage of Michael swinging by and doing, I don't know what we would call these, like house checks. Like, what is this? Because he's basically filming himself walking through Natalia's apartment, because this was my other red flag of abuse. Because Michael tries to claim that he's completely passive in the abuse. He's not involved in this. This was all Christine doing all the abuse. But then we have footage of him walking through and asking her, questioning her where she got food from whatever food is in her pantry, in her cabinets, in her kitchen. People brought food by. And he doesn't like that. Who are these people who are helping you? They don't like that she's interacting with other people and that perhaps she can tell them things that have happened to her. Now, that's our belief. 
their side of it is that they believe that she's a dangerous person and that they're afraid for the people that she may be interacting with. But also because she's talking to CPS, so we need to delete all the contacts in her phone, too. And I'm going to do that on camera, which I don't know how that wasn't abuse documented that he filmed himself. They left her here to be isolated and not their problem, essentially. And from time to time, they check in to make sure that she hasn't gotten any help from outside resources. That's what they're doing. They'll come drop off groceries at the edge of her building and then... Let her pick them up from the curb and bring them inside. They won't even bring them in for her. No. My God. she's Yeah, there's footage of her trying to take the trash out. The trash can is taller than her, and she's trying to bring it back up. So the thing that I thought was interesting was at first, people who live around her think that she's a child. But then she's telling everyone, well, I'm 22 years old. She's been told that she's 22. She doesn't even know how old she is. So she's trying to tell these people, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm 22. I would also imagine that you would have to be scared shitless as a child who is now put in the situation where you're living at living alone as supposedly a 22-year-old that you'd start trying to tell yourself, okay, I'm 22. I'm an adult. These are things that I'm supposed to be doing. I have to take care of myself because what else are you going to do? You've been left here all alone. So they're going with the story that she's 22. She starts telling them other things that have happened, supposedly, like that her family doesn't want her living with them because she tried to kill Christine by poisoning her. Things that maybe a child would repeat that an adult would have the sense not to say to someone if they had actually done those things. Well, and especially (laughs) if you've been coached into that where, yes, this was the story because there was even the whole thing that landed her in the mental institution which was the incident by the horse fence or something with the electric fence oh wait we've totally left that out I which forgot that about was it until that now. was like the whole culminating thing well because it seemed sketch as fuck because this was all just mike's perception of what took place and he wasn't even there so it's again christine's account through mike as her speaking channel so it was just this whole situation where even the paramedics and everybody involved thought that Christine was the one that was out of control. And Natalia was just kind of like, yeah, I guess I tried to kill my mom because it's almost like that was what she was coached to tell everybody. And there are other examples of other adopted children who have done similar things where they are told that they're bad, that they are doing bad things. And then they repeat those to people in positions of authority because their adoptive parent has told them to do so. Like, this would not be the first time that that has ever happened. So this is Natalia trying to find some sort of support system because there is no support system. She's reaching out, but then she also doesn't know these social boundaries, these barriers that are part of this apartment complex. She'll just walk into people's houses. She will go rummage around through their fridge for food when she's hungry. So this is the point where I was like, 100% this is a child. And I don't know why people are not catching on to that because I had someone who lived down the street from me when I was a child who was also a child who was a little bit younger who would do things like this because her parents would just leave. They would fuck off and go somewhere and tell her to go to a friend's house. And she would come in and just walk in the front door, just open the refrigerator, just start helping herself to things. And it's like, this is a neglected child. Classic. Classic things that are yeah. happening here. It's it's all happening. So they're finding that annoying. 
She also smells because she can't take care of herself and bathe herself. They find that annoying. So now she's just a nuisance and nobody wants her around because they found out if you're a little too friendly to her, she comes around more often. She's like a stray cat at this point. If you're going to feed her, she's never going to go home. So they're having issues. The complaints start rolling in. It's not just the smells. It's not just her barging into people's houses unannounced. There's sexual abuse allegations that start to arise as well with inappropriate conduct with other children. This is from Mike's story. Wasn't there also an older woman who claimed that as well? She claimed to have seen it, that they were out playing in the grass and that she had like grabbed one of the other children or gone to touch them or something like that. And the dad came out and was all upset and yelling at her and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's... Well, that makes me question what has happened to Natalia. That's that's another good question. Again, if that did indeed happen, this also is something that sometimes occurs when a child has been abused by an adult that then they will sometimes abuse other children in turn. And they do bring that up later on. There are alleged accusations. They didn't even outright say it because then that was where Michael slams the laptop closed and then storms off set because he's not even going to address these allegations. Things aren't looking good. And because they've gotten so many complaints about her from so many people, she was here for a year. You're done. We're not renewing this lease. So now they're forced to find a new apartment and they just go to the shittiest neighborhood that they can possibly find. Michael tries to sell it to us, though. Like this is the primo location for Natalia. Like he has a vacation home just a couple blocks away to obviously he summers here. It just so happens to. It's on a bus route. It's right down the street from a food pantry. It has everything, all the luxuries that Natalia could possibly need within steps from it. Speaking of steps, we've got like 26 steps up to this apartment because it's the upper floor of a duplex, which stairs are very difficult for Natalia. And then there's even like steps up the sidewalk outside the building without a handrail. So real accessible. And again, lending to the ideology that I feel like they're putting her here so she's trapped in her house. She can't get out of this place because of all the steps. Yeah, they found another location. The issue with the last place was that she had too much interaction with the people around her. So now we're going to find a place to isolate her even further. That's why it's the best location possible. And I love how it was the other excuse, yes, triangulated around all these different everyday things that she would need, a food pantry, a place to help her get a job. We are dropping her within reach of all of these other services that should take care of her because we're not going to take care of her. Oh, and for sure we're not because we're moving to Canada. Yep. See you later. Good luck. Apparently, Jake got accepted into a college for some math program, and that was a great excuse for them to leave Natalia far from home in a new place and also for them to get very far away from her and not have a reason to even do the things that they were doing before. Now they're not even going to drop groceries off for her occasionally. You can handle that all on your own. Well, it turns out that there's someone who is watching Natalia. They're seeing that this what looks like a little girl is struggling to get out of her apartment. She's walking on these streets where there are people who she could be in danger from because of the fact that she appears to be a child who's on her own. So this is where Cynthia Manns comes in. 
she sees Natalia and invites her to move in with her family. Now, I have my own personal reservations with Cynthia because there's a socially acceptable number of crosses that you can have on your wall. And then there's a threshold that you can exceed that then it becomes a concern of mine. Cynthia has far exceeded that threshold for me. Right. The room that she's giving her interview in, there are about 85 crosses on the wall in the background. And unless you're giving someone an exorcism in a surrounding room, I don't think the world necessitates that many crosses on one wall. Well, okay. So we'll we'll maybe hold that again, Cynthia. But the one thing that I think we can all get behind is the fact that she says, fuck these people. Do I think that Cynthia's form of mental illness that I believe is on display is better for Natalia than Christine and Michael's a thousand percent. (laughs) Yes. All right. That's a good clarifying point there. (laughs) So she says, this is a child. I don't believe whatever these people say, this is a child. They left her on her own. Their piece is a shit. And this little girl should not have to continue to deal with them any longer. This is where Michael gets defensive because then this is actually Cynthia is the abuser. She's taking advantage of Natalia because within a week of moving in, Natalia signed over her social security checks to Cynthia. So now it's no longer going to Michael and Christine. Okay, that was my other question. Was it ever going to Natalia? No, it was never going to Natalia. That's the slight. That's the issue that they have is that the money is now going to Cynthia. Yeah, that's another reason that people tend to either foster or adopt children, unfortunately. So they're claiming that Cynthia doesn't have genuine concern for Natalia. She's just in it for taking her disability check. To which I say, if you believe that that is true, then is Natalia able to live on her own like this? Because she was quickly approached by a person who had nefarious motives and taken advantage of. Yeah, it sounds like you shouldn't have just dumped her in a random neighborhood to fend for herself then to make those decisions. Yeah, it sounds like neither of your arguments work out for you here. So, But you are going to use whichever one makes you seem more favorable, depending on the question that is asked. Now, ultimately, this interaction with Cynthia is what leads to the Barnetts being charged with neglect of a dependent. Which, if we want to talk about miscarriages of justice, we have two prime examples in this story alone, that with the case of Michael and the case with Christine. Yeah, so they're charged separately. They're being tried separately. They're divorced at this point, right? I think they got divorced while they were in Canada. Yeah, if not legally at that point, they were still in the process of divorce. Michael's taking this as the opportunity to turn Christine into the monster who is responsible for literally everything that took place here. She's his ex-wife now. I think he's legally obligated to do that. (laughs) He's completely innocent. She's a monster. She was abusive. He's even got Jake talking about how abusive Christine was in a very Robert Durst moment where he forgets that his microphone is on and talks about how they... Shouldn't talk about the time that Natalia got kicked down the stairs. Whoops. Little Freudian slip there. (laughs) I mean, A plus for the documentary crew that stood so still. They were like, don't let 
a floorboard creak. Oh. Do not let these bitches know that their microphones are still working and act like you didn't hear shit. Oh, yeah. The director's like, everybody just pack up. Everybody just pack up your stuff. Like, we're getting ready to get out of here. Like, we're done with the interview. Just carry on as normal. Michael's also trying to tell us that Christine is holding his two other children from him, that he hasn't seen them, talked to them, because Christine has made them believe that he is the horrible person in this situation, and only Jacob knows the truth because he has come back to live with him. Meanwhile, Jake is like living in the basement of this house. Is This, this is like a, a house that appears to have multiple floors and bedrooms, yet Jake is living in the basement. This was where not a finished I, basement. Well, yeah, not a finished basement. But this was where I was starting to wonder and the thoughts were coming to mind of if Jake is that far out as well, as far as like being able to take care of himself, is his autism that extreme where he is unable to live on his own? Or is he told that? And then kind of infantilized in order to stay a child under his parents' wing. I think that's possible. They didn't really talk too much about him being autistic beyond like the very beginning of the first episode. But I also don't believe the story that he just believes his dad and finds him to be a good person. So he came back to live with him. My suspicions tell me Christine kicked him out and that he had no choice but to come live with his dad. Learned everything that I needed to learn about Jake and Michael's relationship during that popcorn scene, (laughs) which I will question your mental health as an adult if you have a popcorn machine like that in your living room and that's how you're making popcorn and then you're just going to casually converse about the abuse that took place in your family for an extended period of time. You can watch Jake disassociate his eyes just glaze over and he's just munching away on that popcorn yeah and not hearing a word his dad is saying i feel like that's a lot of his life every time that michael talks which is where the rest of this documentary goes it's a lot of michael talking michael acting michael throwing himself on the floor michael pretending to cry repeatedly punching the floor reenacting how christine used to beat natalia and then injuring his own hand for the rest of the interview. This is a man, we're talking about his trial coming up, who should never get on the stand to defend himself. (laughs) Never. It was not convincing in the documentary. And it's not even worth really talking about all of the stuff that happens leading up to his trial, because it's all a load of bullshit that's coming out of him. It's a lot of bullshit, just from the legal system that took place with the amount of evidence and information that they kept out of the trial. They leave out literally the most critical piece of the entire trial, which is the aging up. They're not going to talk about the fact that a judge just pulled the number 22 out of his ass and changed Natalia from being six years old to 22 years old. So we can't refer to her as a child at all. It was just a miscarriage of justice. He ends up being acquitted of all charges. And then they drum up the fact that Christine's case is coming up next and making it out like, well, she's the one. There's going to be justice here. She's going to have to report for everything that she did to Natalia. But you can't arrest a husband and a wife for the same crime. (laughs) And we find out that Christine's case was ultimately dismissed. Who does she know? 
who is her family member who's either on like city council or is a judge or retired lawyer? I don't know. Who is it from her family who she is connected with that keeps doing all of this stuff? Because we had a judge who just casually threw out the age 22, the magic number to get out of financial responsibility for this adopted minor. And then subsequently for her husband's trial, ex-husband's trial, which was going to be a lot of damning stuff about the abuse that she was involved in. A lot of that shit got glossed over. And then her own case just ultimately is dismissed. They weren't able to prove the accusations that were being made. I don't know. Michael also spends a lot of time trying to make Christine out to be a nut job. He gives the documentary crew pictures. That was wild. Inappropriate pictures of her to which. Because she uses sex as a weapon, guys. It happens. She never fucked me when we were married. But then as soon as all these legal proceedings start flying around, then she's sending me nudies all over the place. It grossed me out that they showed the pictures because it felt like revenge porn. Yeah, that he was going to post these online Mm -hmm. without her consent. Give them to a documentary crew and we're going to make this part of the story that you're not involved in and don't have a say in. So again, there you go. I found a new charge. Oh, they're all shit bags. Yeah. Like every adult in this, because I don't think Natalia was an adult at the time. (laughs) Every adult in this film, in this documentary is just a total piece of garbage. That is like a super high level, quick overview of this six part documentary. You can watch, enjoy. Honestly, we couldn't wait to get from one part to the next because it was just nuts. And you have to see it just to see Michael. This is the Michael show, this iteration of it. They are going to be airing a Natalia Speaks special later this summer. So be sure to stay tuned for that because that seems like it's going to be more of the footage directly of Natalia Grace and her side of the story, which was sorely lacking in this entire documentary. So as we were watching it, I was like, why are we not getting anything from Natalia? Is there going to be an episode that's going to be dedicated just to Natalia telling her side of the story at some point in these six episodes? Because they kind of started. I feel like there were moments earlier on where she was more directly involved in telling the story, in setting up the story. And then for the last four or five episodes, she really dropped out. And they didn't even include anything like, I thought we were going to get a little update at the end about where's Natalia. Something. Apparently, she still lives with the man's family. And again, we're going to get this follow-up documentary, I guess you can say. Allegedly, because I think your suspicions were correct here, too, that they were most likely they had filmed a lot of this at the same time. But then as they were putting it together, they were like, this is way too obvious that she is an adult now. So if you look back on it, so how can we remove her narrative to make this more interesting to watch? It's a little bit more of a roller coaster if it's just Michael's side of the story, because that dude's all over the place. That's what I think they did, because if you watch the trailer for Natalia Speaks, you look at her and it's like, this is an adult. This is the grown version Of the little girl we saw in pictures. And I think if we had seen that in the documentary, it would have been like, oh, fuck these people. This is this is bullshit, right? You immediately lose all of the the credibility from Michael's story, which you should never be believing him anyway. No, it did do a good job of making Michael and Christine look like the horrible people that they are. 
So I would say it was successful in that in the end. Well, that was because that's just how the story played out. Well, they just let Michael talk. That's all you that's need all to they do. had to do. Just be quiet and let him go. I'll just give him rope and see how big he's going to make this noose. So I am very much looking forward to the Natalia Speaks next part of this. I don't know if it's going to be a special, if it's going to be a multi-part documentary like this was, but I cannot wait to hear her side of the story. I think that we're going to find out a lot more horrible things that occurred because I do believe that these two people set out to abuse this little girl. Yeah, if there's anybody's side of the story that I'm going to believe from the onset, it's going to be Natalia's. We've been talking about this in the Discord. So if you're not already there, make sure you join. Because the minute that we said we were going to be covering the Curious Case in Natalia Grace, people started to watch. And it's really it was really fun to see people's reactions in real time. Well, just, yeah, at the end of each episode, it's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> A different level of what the fuckness. So remember to join us on Discord and you can jump in the conversation there. And we'll definitely be talking about Natalia Speaks when that comes out later this summer. Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by subscribing to the podcast or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to keep the conversation going over in our Discord channel. Stay tuned. Share with friends. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.